And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Alright, Grugoons. I'm officially fed up. I can't keep my goddamn mask straight. I wore my Shatner mask to play hockey. I wore my hockey mask to the masquerade ball. I put on my Guy Fox mask to stab people to death, and, and imagine my embarrassment when I showed up at the protest march in my scream mask. I'm as confused as a hair metal hero at a KFC Taco Bell. Which one? Which one? Hello and welcome everyone to the vault of startling monster horror tales of terror. I am your co-host, Mr. Luke Giaconetti, and I have a question for everybody out there. What's your favorite scary movie? Answer, Chris Honeywell. Um, it's a it's an obscure movie from 1975 called Wrong! Doggy Dog. Answer, Jake Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Sorry. Uh <laughs> fuck. Wrong! Wrong. <laughs> Oh, shit, I'm crying right now. I think I took a piss. Oh, no. Try it again. Here we go. Oh. Hero. <laughs> uh, the Kim Kardashian sex tape. Wrong! The correct answer. It's this movie we're watching tonight, which is Scream. That's actually not the correct answer, but I wanted to do a McLaughlin group thing to open it. Everybody, this is the Vault of Star Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am Luke Giaconetti. I am joined, as always, by Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero, my brother Jason Giaconetti, and the man with the plan, uh, Canal Panama, Mr. Chris Honeywell, and we are taking a look at Scream. We are going very 90s tonight. This movie brought back a lot of memories for me. Memories of the Sega Saturn, the Jefferson Valley Mall, Magic the Gathering, Vertigo Comics, Megadeth and Soundgarden tapes, working at Burger King, driving a, driving around in a red Subaru Impreza 5 door, and VHS tapes. And I watched this on VHS, and I am super excited to talk about Scream tonight with you guys. So, what do we think, fellas? Is is good. <laughs> I'm hyped up, man. I told I'm, like Duck, oh, I'm like Zack Ryder and Duck King rolled into one. I'm hyped. Well, yeah, we, we we should we should mention about the time of 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 Master uh, Craven's passing. This was discussed, yeah, um, and it seemed it seemed fitting to discuss it. And and, and certain things happening uh, in the course of real life kind of waylaid this one. Yeah, uh, but we we are ready to talk about it now. Uh, and I'm sure it was a nostalgia trip for uh, several of us on this on this show tonight. Um, and it's a it's a movie that I I only saw the original Scream. I saw it once, maybe twice. So this was really my first time watching it since about 1997. Me or too. So. Same same way. I haven't seen any of the subsequent movies after that. You're not missing much. That's what You're I hear. Missing out on a lot. 
Yeah. This is got a lot of crap, movie. yeah. Yeah, a lot of crap. Actually, you know, it's funny. This movie, uh, Scream, the movie we're speaking of, because we call it this movie, so people will know what we're talking about. Uh, so Scream was actually released around Christmas time, uh, which was actually was released in December, five days before Christmas. And the studio usually doesn't release this kind of movies there, but they, they wanted to give uh, the horror fans something, you know, at that time of year. So it wind up uh, opening in fourth place and only made $6.4 million, So they figured they really missed the bet on They're like, oh, we totally shit the bet on this one. So what happened was, this is the funny part, I was in college when this was going on and I did Division One track. So there was many a Saturday where you got up at the ass crack of 4 a.m., got on a bus with a bunch of people wearing purple jumpsuits, and you had to drive, oh, umpteen hours to whatever track meet so we could beat the shit out of them and come home. Uh, so we would watch movies on there. So someone uh, went to the local blockbuster and at the time, and Scream had been in the theaters and it left the theaters. And we had they came on VHS and we had a copy of Scream that we rented at Blockbuster, um, or it could have been Hollywood Video. And they both existed, very 90s. And we were watching it. And the funny part was it was playing, it came back to the theater. They actually put this back out in the theater because they the word of mouth was good and the reviews were good. So they put it back into the theaters, the mainstream theater. So here we are watching it on VHS going, how do we get this? Is that a bootleg? They're like, no, this is from Blockbuster. And then it was back in the theater. And the funny part was, um, yeah, is that... Uh, uh, the team, my my track team um, uh, up in Albany, we were, uh, you know, a collection of mostly New York kids, um, a bunch of kids from the city, uh, you know, some kids from, you know, the, the middle of the state, Westchester and stuff, and then a lot of kids from upstate. Uh, well, the, one of the kids, one of the girls from the city who is like, she was all tough and thug, she goes, yo, we ain't watching this, this movie's fucking scary. And I was like, how scary could this movie be? Like, this girl, like... You know, she acts like she's all super tough and gangsta and whatever. And then we watched it and it wasn't scary, but I was like, she's scared of this? And I know why. Because there's a lot of white people. Is there any? <laughs> that whole movie. Well, they, when you they... watch that movie, what's your conclusion? White people are fucking crazy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what, that's what she was saying. She, 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 was from, she was from Brooklyn. And, and I don't think she had ever left Brooklyn until she went to Albany. And I don't think she'd ever seen that many white people get together uh, in one place. Um, she was a hell of a runner and she was a very nice young lady. But she was just like, she was like, you guys crazy. Like, she definitely felt it worked. White um, people get a nice house. They have a nice life. What do they do? They just kill each other. <laughs> Why? Because they're crazy. Crazy. <laughs> anyway. So. Well, but the thing is, is that, you know, like I said, I, I mentioned in my uh, rant that the uh, Jefferson Valley Mall, well, Jay and I saw this at the Jefferson Valley Mall yeah. on like at like an 11 o'clock showing uh, on like a Saturday night or a Friday night. We were out in that side of town, probably because both our girlfriends lived over in that side of town. And we went yeah. to go see yeah. Scream. And I remember we were sitting in like a normal seat, but as all, there was a big group of guys in the front. And you hear them all just kind of talk, talking, talking. <laughs> And then you hear, oh shit, I dropped my beer, you know. So <laughs> they did. Was, the fuckers, yeah, they dropped their beer and then the whole, whole thing place smelled like the yeah, whole place smelled like beer the entire time. So I guess it was an appropriate sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, th this was one that, what's funny is that, you know, when Scream came out, like I said, I'm I'm right in the middle of high school. It has a I'm a big horror dude, obviously. This movie has tons of references to Halloween, which is probably my favorite slasher yeah. movie of all time. I love Halloween. And um, you know, and so this was one that but because of the cast, because of, you know, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox and, you know, not so much Skeet Ulrich, but, you know, <laughs> this, this whole, not taking anything away from Skeet Ulrich, but I'm saying that he was not somebody that people necessarily recognized and, and that, that, that females recognized. They thought he was cute, but they didn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, Nev Campbell was friggin' party of five, man. I mean, that was all over the place. 
and Courtney Cox was still doing Friends. So I, I remember watching this with my high school girlfriend, who would usually never watch anything even remotely this scary. And she watched it because of that. And the, the Scream had this idea of, you know, because it, it had recognizable people in it, that it wasn't just the typical kind of 90s uh, horror movie that we had at the time, which there's some good stuff coming out of there. But let's face it, that stuff was geek show. It was not made for mass consumption. It was made for horror fans. Whereas Scream, by kind of addressing the elephant in the room, which is the horror fan, made itself more palatable to the larger audience and in its, in its own way did what it did to help the horror genre evolve and survive. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's, it's a forerunner of, did it come out? What year did this come out? 96. Is that before? 96. That's, so that's a, a year or two after Clerks, right? Yeah. So it, it's definitely addressing the like meta talking, you know, talking about the subject that you're on in it. But it was way before meta got tired. And I, you know, I mean, I remember seeing it and going, all right, this is Wes Craven with his idea for the 90s. This is his Nightmare on Elm Street idea for the 90s. And he's, he's jazzed. Out, he's, and he's once again put a new, like a new twist on it. And, uh, it, it was successful. I didn't think it was going to age well, but I really, I still really enjoyed it, you know, this, this many years later. Although I feel, <laughs> I feel different. Like the way I look at the characters now, I'm like, every, all these kids are psychopaths, not just the killers. Yeah. All the kids are kind of, are kind of jerks. <laughs> that was the 90s though. Yeah, that was yeah, the 90s, the 90s I mean, jerks, which I, are even extra jerky. Well, what I, what I said to, because again, this is one of the, this is the rare horror movie that my wife actually saw that she'll watch again, right? And so we were watching this the other night, and you know Rose McGowan, who's my girl, I love Rose McGowan. Oh yeah. And uh, so she, and she plays Tatum. Well, the whole time Tatum is sarcastic. She's mean. She's caustic. She puts down her brother Dewey constantly, just trying to make him feel bad about himself. And I said, I said, I knew lots of girls like this in high school. I was friends with girls like this in high school. So it's like, I, I knew that girl. Well, that's the awkward know? thing about small town is like your brother, you, you know, your sister's in high school and you're just a couple years older and you're a cop, but she still treats you like a dork because you are. <laughs> yeah. But but as far as, like I said, that, that this, that, that's why I got all nostalgic for this because it's not just, let me give you, a, for instance, another movie that came out around this time period that is in the same genre as Halloween 6, okay? And I like Halloween 6. Halloween 6 doesn't make me nostalgic for the 90s because Halloween 6 doesn't have anything to say about the 90s. <laughs> you know, the 90s gets derided and ignored and just kind of cast off. Yeah, the 90s, they, they all just suck. But for those of us who grew up in the 90s, who remember them, I mean, I said I was born in 1980. The 90s were a very major part of my development of who I am. So all these characters, I knew people like this. I knew the douchebag like Stu. I knew the guy that was way too into his own head like Billy. I, I in some ways, was the guy like Randy, except I didn't work at the video store. That was my friend Mike. I knew girls wait, like Tatum. Wait, wait. I knew girls like Sydney. you know? So it's, it's, it's that what this is and the idea, like you said, the idea of meta before meta became uh, you know, played out. You know, the, the idea of just understanding that you know that this yeah, oh there's rules and you got to follow the rules and you got to survive the formula you know but it doesn't do like we got in some of the sequels and some of the ripoffs of this movie where they became victims of their own formula that they had developed this one right. plays the formula right. and really screws around with you there's a scene 
early on in the film, after after the, the opening sequence with Casey, and that's a whole other can of worms right there, where uh, Tatum calls Sydney and says that I'm, I'm, I'm coming right after practice, I'm gonna come and pick you up. And so we see Sydney walking around the house, she's got her bag, she goes down the steps, she opens the closet door, the soundtrack starts to pick up just a little bit, just a little bit, like, oh, there's somebody behind it, and she closes it and there's nothing there. So it's not only playing with the idea of the formula in the broad sense, but it's also kind of screwing with you guys that already know the formula. Right. You know, right. Sydney says, oh, they're, they're all, the, those movies are insulting. It's a bunch of girls, you know, running up the stairs when they should be running out the front door. Well, what's she go to do? She runs to run out the front door, and who's there? Ghostface. So what she do? She runs up the steps. So it's, it's you know, it, 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 it's not like some of the later ones of this type of cycle that became so obvious that they were almost unwatchable. This one is, is clever. And Williamson and Craven together kind of hit a zeitgeist of the mid '90s yeah. and understood it yeah. perfectly with this film. Which is funny because it's like the old guy, you know, but he captures those characters. But that's the thing is he knows his horror too, and he's also Wes Craven is one of those directors. He's not you. You can tell he's a big fan of John Carpenter, obviously from this movie, and from the way he shoots movies too. He he's very assured, but he's not as stylistic as a lot of other horror film no. filmmakers. You're not like, oh, this is a Wes Craven movie. You you become you 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 start thinking maybe it's a Wes Craven movie because of the content of it. Even yeah. though his camera work is is very it's subtle, it's very mm -hmm. assured in the in this movie. I didn't notice it the first time the the craftsmanship put into it that I did this time. That that somebody you know making sure that you see this and this on the screen and stuff like in the one of the op opening scenes where she's got the TV, she's getting ready to pop her popcorn and watch a movie and the TV's blue screen with channel three on it is just a, yeah. a classic mm -hmm. sort of... It, oh yeah, or, or, or even just the even just the, the dialogue that Casey says. The, the ghost face calls her and goes, what are you going to do? I'm going to watch a video. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that. That's that. That's what you say then. You know, that that's the terminology. It's it's not not oh, I'm watching a movie. No, you watch a video. You know. Well, the other thing too, or, uh, and if you look at like who was cast and what in the final movie, um, it became a lot of musical chairs uh, because originally Drew Barrymore was supposed to play Sydney, and she was cast as Sydney. And what happened was Drew Barrymore actually went to them and said, "I don't know if it's going to work." And they go, "Why?" If she goes, "If I take Casey's part." And I get killed in the beginning, then then the feeling will be anything can happen. And and, and she had discussions with with uh, Wes Craven and, and Williamson and whoever the whole crew. But they were like, that's a good point. Everyone's going to Drew Barrymore. She's got to be the star. She's, she's a star. Not yeah. And it's and and they, it, they it, even it, I mean they put her on the poster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, of course they do. But it goes back. No, but to I'm the saying not, not just her name. I mean, it's her. I mean, it's her face on the damn poster. Even on. Sure. As well, I said, I watched well, this on my my old VHS copy from 1997. She's. Not only is it still her face, the black and white with her colored eyes, she's in the front of the ensemble picture too. Yes. Janet Lee's on the front on the front of the psycho right. poster. Psycho, yeah, exactly. Even but yeah. what you're saying is even even by the time this movie made it to video, people still were surprised by that because again, this it it, it wasn't the age we live in now where that, that would be spoiled within ten minutes of this movie being released and everybody would know that. 
you either saw it or you hadn't, you know? Right. And if you yeah. saw it, then you, you kept quiet about it because you wanted to surprise the dudes yeah. who hadn't seen it yet. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is, so, so you look at that, like she was supposed to be in that, and the, the idea of killing her off, and, I mean, and, and she still featured so prominently, um, which makes me wonder, Right. Because I mean, obviously at some point, like, were they thinking that, like, let's totally push her out there? You know, that's that's a total misdirection right there. If you if you say Drew Barrymore's in this movie and she had one of the biggest names I and mean, Bev Campbell had a big name and stuff. But Drew Barrymore was an, a marketable name. People knew who she was, especially coming into this. Uh, you know, we push it like she's there and it totally gives you a twist. So you're like, what the hell? Like, I thought she was a star. Now she's dead. You know, and it yeah. really got you off kilter. Uh, the same thing happened. Uh, David Arquette was actually originally supposed to play Billy. And he, right. he actually asked to take the role of the role of Dewey because Dewey's role originally was actually much more of a like a rugged like hero type. And he goes, I want to play that role instead of playing the kid, which is funny because he's supposed to be seven years older than them, but he's actually the same age as like everyone on the cast. He right. just looked older because, you know, he his, of his hair and his mustache. And they're all um, playing younger anyway, too. Well, so, no, yeah. Which is true, yeah. but I'm saying, but he actually looks older than they do, right? And, like, even Courtney Cox is not that much older than everybody, but that's the whole point. Like, you know, they, they're all playing younger. I get that. But what I'm saying is he took that role. Well, that changes the movie. If David Arquette is Billy... Then it's different than Skeet Ulrich being Billy. And, you know, I mean, you know, whether you like Skeet Ulrich or not, I mean, I'm no, saying I, I don't is, have a problem with Skeet Ulrich. I like Skeet yeah. Ulrich. But what I'm saying <laughs> is the role of Dewey originally was written to be a serious role. And he was like the, the hero. And then what right. happened but that, was. And that, but that's the thing is because originally not only was Dewey written to be this kind of serious macho hero, but then when he he's supposed to be dead. Yes. And in fact, it was shot that way. Every t if you look in every scene. After we after Dewey comes out of the house with the knife in his back, every scene that we see of Dewey until the next point where he is being loaded into the ambulance, he's not moving. He's intended to be dead, and that's a relic of that early version of the script, where right. the big heroic cop guy gets killed and is not the hero. Right. Yeah, and that's the Whereas thing is, and I, I, I I actually really like Dewey being kind of a more regular kind of doofusy guy, but he's, you know, say what you will about him. He goes right into the mouth of danger. He doesn't hesitate. He goes in and takes his licks, well, you know, he's, he's outclassed, but fine. You know, they managed to kill a lot of people well, in this town. So. What, what do you think? Do you, do you think Dewey gets the girl or whether, or was she just using him? Cause at first I'm like, ah, oh, he's so apparently, you know, falling for, she's just apparently using him to get access he, he gets but the girl. That was yeah. Then I yeah. was starting the to buy it after thing. a while, and I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, and, they might really well, have yeah. a little yeah. thing going here. Well, then all the other sequels there together. Oh, okay, okay. They actually, yeah. yeah he, I think he, I think he, they by by in three he proposes to her, and then in four they're married. So yeah, yeah. Or, or, which is funny or, or, because that yeah. was after they had divorced in real life, yes. wasn't it? Yes, they actually <laughs> yeah. met on the set for the first time. They met on the set, they fell in love, and then by 2003 they divorced and had to uh, get married in a movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, but well, uh, you, you know, know that's, they, that's you know they wrote that they wrote that in they like oh okay this in. this will be really good well <laughs> yeah, but, but David Arquette became I mean he I mean he you know if you look at what David Arquette did I mean again you know say what you will about you know the uh, whatever you may think of him as an actor or as a professional wrestler or whatever um, he you know he eventually became influential in like making these movies like he you know he got he became a producer and stuff like that on these films so um, and involved in that aspect of things so I could definitely see him being like look you know we got to put this in here because this would totally piss her off you know kind of thing <laughs> and Courtney Cox is coming back it's not like she wasn't coming back because man bitch likes a paycheck 
So, uh, you know. Well, but that's uh, the thing also. Uh, Courtney Cox lobbied to play the role of Gail because she wanted yeah, to play a bitch. Yeah, yes, because yeah, at yeah. the time, all that she had done was Friends, and Monica on Friends is the, the nice one, you know? She's not even the edgy one, so to speak, like, uh, you know, like Jennifer Aniston was on that show, or the quirky one, like, um, uh, oh, whose name I'm forgetting, of course. Phoebe. Phoebe. Uh, Phoebe, but I'm trying to remember the actress's name. Lisa it's, Kudrow. Um, Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow. Thank you. I was thinking that, that chick from Analyze This, but... Uh, so, so she wanted to play Gail because she wanted to play a bitch, and it ended up being a very popular role for her because she does a good job doing it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, and so, it, like I said, Ed, this, this movie is so well cast. I mean, look, at you, we were talking about Skeet Ulrich playing Billy. I mean, can you, you mean, look you, more? You mean bootleg Johnny Depp? Bootleg Johnny Depp. That's, I mean, can you look more like Johnny Depp from Nightmare? I mean, oh, my God. That's when almost he comes word in the for window, word by note in this. <laughs> bootleg Johnny Depp. Well, it's it's what what's that theory? If you can't get Wesley Snipes, you get um, what is it? Uh, Omar Epps, and if you can't get Omar Epps, you get Mackay Pfeiffer. You know, yes. <laughs> so I guess yes. if you can't get yeah. you know Johnny Depp, you get Skeet Ulrich. But but you know, it's uh, that that's the thing is, and what he brings to that role is it, it's it's and between him and then Ethan Embry as Stu, we all knew. Like I said before, we knew those dudes. Some of us ran track with those dudes. You know, you know, not not looking at you necessarily, Honeywell, but you know, some of us did. No, and, I, uh, I, so, I knew the cast of Nightmare on Elm Street. That was, <laughs> those were my people. That wasn't Ethan Ember. Yeah. Wasn't that Matthew Lillard? Matthew Lillard, not Ethan Ember. You're right. Oh, my the, God. The, I have, the I future have Shaggy. Future Shaggy, yeah. My roommate used well, to work with Matthew Lillard at the Renaissance Fair. He played the town fool in, in our local Renaissance Fair. It could have been Ethan Embry, though. He could have played the role, though. You know, but yes, yeah, it's Matthew Lillard, not Ethan it's, Embry. That's my bad. Yeah, well, the, the Matthew but, Lillard, the, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. actually um, auditioned for Billy. Yeah. And he, he didn't get the role, obviously. But there's your, your uh, other tie-in directly to, uh, um, what do you call? Uh, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo. And Sarah Michelle yeah. Geller Sarah actually Michelle Geller role in it also. in Scream, too, yeah. Well, but, but she, uh, she, she tried out for a role in this and didn't get it. Right, so and, she went in. She played. She was in Scream too, though. Freddie Prince Jr. wasn't. I don't think. Well, it's, I, don't, I just find it hilarious that usually Shaggy's the one on, you know, on revealing the, the, the bad guy, and then this one, Shaggy's the bad guy. Yeah, well, no, um, I mean that's that's the. I mean, uh, full spoiler mode on here, obviously, because this <laughs> is the vault. But no, it, I, you know that that's the thing, though. It's like you know, a lot of times these movies where they have the who done it aspect to it. Or the the big twist, what a twist, you know that type of movie. That's twist. They, a lot of them simply don't work because then you start nitpicking it. You're like, well, wait a minute, how could they do that? You know, it's like, uh, you know that that doesn't work because he was we saw him here, he can't be there. Whereas this is the rare film that actually, in my mind, works better if you know who the killer is. It explains because then it. you start seeing it. You start seeing the pieces fit together. Yeah, you know. When well, it's like, oh, Billy's in jail, but he gets a call. It's like, and then they even kind of hang a lampshade on. It's like, well, did you use your call to call me? It's like, no, he he didn't. It was the other guy that called her. And it's like, so much more. Of this makes sense. But it's it, and and it also helps that you know um, when when we see my my note is Billy eats it with a question mark because obviously we know having seen it that it's not. But again, I was watching with my wife, and she said she goes, I remember that the that the obnoxious guy was one of the killers, but I don't remember who the other guy was. So she was still genuinely surprised when Billy gets back up and says, "Ah, cornstarch," you know. So, like I say, it's it it's it it treats it's meta, but it understands that you have to, um, you know, it's it's how do, how do I put this? But the best example of the meta in this film not being the kind of obnoxious sort of meta thing that we get nowadays yeah. is my my note is diegetic versus non diegetic music. 
during the last 40 minutes of the film, during a whole lot of that, they're watching Halloween on video. Mm -hmm. And there's several times where the soundtrack from Halloween is both diegetic and non-diegetic. And now, for listeners who may not have gone to film, had a film class or gone to film school, a diegetic sound comes from the word dialogue. It means it's something that the that the characters can hear, whereas non-diegetic sound is the soundtrack. We can hear it as the audience, but it's not it's not spoken like dialogue, so they can't hear it. The Halloween soundtrack is both diegetic and non-diegetic. It's 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 scary for or, or mood setting for us and scary for the characters because it's scary music during a scary sequence. So it's like it, it's not just it's not just hey I'm gonna hang I'm just gonna talk about the my my story like it's a happening in a movie it really is it's even scored like a movie inside the movie yep we're in the movie it's like that old thing for Brother Bear with the moose you know so <laughs> that that's what I said it it's it there's so much of this that that I and I'm and I'm hyped up here and I understand that but there's so much of this that just works it just works and it the fact that it's so much better than the vast majority of garbage which came after it. That was directly inspired by it makes it that much better, as far as I'm concerned. Speaking of of how awesome some of it is, the first ten minutes of this are still gr- that grade A suspense yeah. filmmaking, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it is clearly the the Giallo influence is is super high. In the, uh, that's what I got out of it anyway. Oh, yeah, especially totally. the way she dies, like it, a few yes, feet from when her she's, parents, yeah, and horribly feet away from it, and then she's strung up at the end. Like you can't get any more visceral than that whole scene. And it's that, and she's playing along. She thinks it's funny at the beginning, and it goes from zero to fuck you real fast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it just doesn't let up for those first ten minutes. Because as the as an audience member, the first time you're you're on the edge of your seat because you have mm-hmm. you know you're just thrown right into it. Well, I plus mean, also, yeah, but also you, at this time you don't know that she's gonna die. You think she's the star of the movie. Yeah. So you're I mean you're fully expecting her to get away. The if she first somehow time gets away. It. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and then there's all the again talking about Halloween. There's all the references to Halloween in that sequence. Just even down to her parents pulling up. Right at the end of it. I mean, that's yep. the beginning. That's the first five minutes of Halloween with the parents coming home and all that. And then, oh, go down the road, go to the Mackenzies. I mean, that again is from Halloween. So it's you know, it it's it automatically sets you in the idea of okay, it, this this is a slasher movie. There are certain rules, but at the same time, maybe the rules don't really apply because they 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 understand them. You know, so it's it's not everyone being aware of it. It's not this you know. Uh, kind of a hipstery sort of way to do it. It's it's a way that it, it really does understand the idea of fiction and reality. And that, yeah. you know, it, it, if you if you look at enough fiction, you can start to figure out the way reality works. So yeah. well, you know, I mean I still haven't seen the reality nightmare on Elm Street. New nightmare? Yeah. Oh, New Nightmare. Good. And that was before this, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking that was the beginning of Wes Craven sort of forming his thoughts in this direction, you know? I think he was really thinking in that in that meta sort of direction in that time period and this is the this is the like manifestation you know the manifestation of it that came out the the difference there would be is that at the end of the day new nightmare is still a horror fantasy I haven't seen it yet yeah so I didn't know if but scream is I mean everything in scream that happens could really happen yeah yeah. And, well, and, the thing is, you know, oh, no, actually, you're wrong, Hero. No reporter in the history of reporters in reality, only in movies, have ever said 
This is my big shot. <laughs> uh, so they could say it. It's not. It's not. They say something to that effect, but like not where they're sitting there and they're like, "This is my big shot." They could well, have. The, the thing is, though, you got to remember is uh, Wes Craven was certainly not the first choice for directors of this. Uh, Bob Weinstein actually uh, approached Robert Rodriguez, Danny Boyle, George A. Romero, even Sam Raimi. All would and have the, been good, too. What, yeah. Well, it would have all been in very different movies. Yeah. Right? And the problem was with Kevin Williamson was that he said they didn't get it. They all thought it was yeah. – uh, they were reading the script, and many of them thought it was going to be a comedy. They're like, this has got to be a comedy. And then, like, they just didn't get what he wanted them to put out there. And uh, maybe maybe it was that Craven – because Craven flat out said he was done making horror movies. After New Nightmare, he, was, he said he was done. He didn't want to do this at first, and only after reading the script and meeting with Kevin Williamson, he said, "All right, well, I got to do something that's different." And yeah, well, so, and make, you know, was, yeah, so it was that, and and Drew Barrymore signing on. He said that yes, if yes. an actress of her caliber signed on, maybe this is something different. Yeah, and yeah. and Chris, you alluded to this earlier. You said that it was funny that this movie is so authentically young despite being directed by the old guy, Wes yeah. Craven. Yeah. Well, that's where Kevin Williamson comes in. I mean, this was his first, I mean, he, he had a, I think he had another script in development, but he kind of just put, he put this up and he put up to, um, with the script to this, there was the two, the treatment for what was then called Scary Movie, Scary Movie 2 and Scary Movie 3. So if you bought the script to Scary Movie, you got the treatments to 2 and 3 because the idea being, well, maybe I can sell it as a franchise. And the story goes that when he put it up, it was like a Friday and there was no interest. And he's like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is going to be a disaster. And that apparently over the weekend, all the production assistants and uh, uh, are calling their producers saying, well, you got to read this script. And a bidding war erupted by Monday. And eventually <laughs> it ended up at Dimension, you know, which is a part of Miramax. And, and, that's, and so Williamson brought the, the authenticity because he was a young guy writing this. Yeah. So the, the, uh, you know, it's a combination of you get somebody with uh, you know, once you get around to uh, having Craven being in the director's seat, now you've got some clout. You know, besides being a really talented guy, you've got a guy whose name still, even by the mid '90s, brings out the horror hounds and adds that air of legitimacy. So it's like, okay, if Craven's doing it, it must not be a comedy. It must be serious, right? Yeah. But then you've got, and then you know, you've got the Weinstein's being forward-looking enough to understand if we cast people that people recognize in this, we can get. Out of the, you know, the we always talk about the horror ghetto, you know, especially in the 80s and 90s. We can get out of that ghetto. We can get eyeballs from the mainstream. So, I mean, ev everything just kind of comes together. We talk about perfect storms sometimes and, you know, how, how something that if you look at it on paper, it shouldn't have come together, but it does just because everything lined up. And Scream is really that in a lot of ways. And so we, it, you know, that, that it could extreme could have been again just like Halloween Six, a perfectly serviceable film that nobody remembers any of the details of. Instead, it you know changed the direction of the American horror genre. And and you know, Hero, you made the point earlier about seeing the Giallo influence right around this time. Um, this time, and, and by the time Scream was on VHS, that was when Anchor Bay started bringing out a lot of those Giallos on VHS for the first time in the U.S. So we were getting uncut versions of Deep Red and Tenebrae and Lizard in a Woman's Skin and, um, you know, Whip in the Body and, uh, you know, all those other Italian films. And we were starting – so you could start seeing that. You could start building those connections. I mean, Cheese and Rice. I mean, my brother and I did that, you know, watching those movies and starting to learn and understand that. Yep. So I think you're absolutely right. The other thing I would say as far as a Giallo connection is that Ghostface gets the living crap beat out of him in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. This goes back to what you were saying. Under the day, New Nightmare still is a fantasy. This is reality. You know, I mean, Tatum slams that freezer door into his face. It's like, ow! Yeah. 
it's well, I mean, yeah. well that Every, also begs the question why aren't why aren't those guys showing up with black eyes and limping her had a mask on the cushion they had the mask on yeah it protects them you don't you don't know how you never see them take the mask on and off it could be padded true you know well the other thing but, is uh, you, you watch the movie there's a whole like you can tell who is who like which one of the guys is again they're played by stuntmen it wasn't like Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard were under those masks um but when you watch the movie it's all about telling which one of them is the killer at which point? And yeah. that became a big thing. People were like, went back. And and, and after people kind of like, because the, the word of mouth, but the reviews were excellent, but they probably didn't make any money with first openings. It was Christmas. But once people started, when they started going back and watching it again, trying to figure out, wait, wait, is that Billy or is that Stu? Like how, wait, well, Billy's there, but there's probably Stu in the house because Billy's already like, you know, like they're working together clearly, but which guy's yeah. killing her here and how do he get there so fast? Well, it takes care of all those things that were the problem. You know, you start thinking like, how, how is he at the front door and at the back door? Well, yeah, there's two of them, you know, kind right. of thing. It's not like you have to like, you know, time you get to scream too when they originally had eight killers for Christ's sake, you know, like everybody's in on it. You know, Random go home hey, from the street. So. We're framing OJ. You in? Framing uh, OJ. Frame OJ. <laughs> um, so, but the oh yeah, is- and that well yeah. I mean, I mean specifically getting to that, you know, the the scene in the garage with Tatum. Oh my god. Skeet Ulrich has said that they that they discussed. He said, yeah, that's Billy that kills Tatum. You know. Yeah. yeah. And and you know and 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 so he Billy's the one that eats the freezer door. And the only time that that Ghostface was not played by a stuntman was when. Um, Oh, when uh, when Randy is sitting on the couch by himself, yelling at the television, yeah. and Ghostface comes up behind him. That's Skeet Ulrich. He said he 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 volunteered. He's like, I have to wear it for that scene to sneak up on him. Yeah. So for that bit, is actually Skeet Ulrich wearing the costume as well. Funny so I thought that was in the garage. You just mentioned the garage when uh, Tatum is. Uh, Rose McGowan um, is. Oh is, God, I love Rose she's McGowan. She's so skinny though. She actually fit through the doggy door. Yeah, she fit through the dog, doggy door <laughs> easily. Easily, not even, even with close. those tits. No, no, dude. That's but you see, yeah, she gets, with, she gets her boobs her right through. Her waist is so tiny. She goes right through the door. The problem is she kept falling out. So yeah. she actually wound up hurting herself because she fell through. So they had to do. They nailed her skirt to the door to hold her in place, and they raised the door up. But the problem is, it wasn't like she was just jamming in the door. It's one of bruising her ribs up, and yeah, so she had a film with all that. Yeah, because she got stuck in it because she was too skinny. Right? Yeah, it's not like just, was it that scary and, movie where the the really heavy girl kind of go through the door and he like shakes yeah. his head at her kind of thing, which is <laughs> making fun of that idea. But it's like. She totally get like when you look at that, people are like, why would she go through the doggy door? She fits through the doggy door. So, you know, yeah. I'm like, well, you know what's funny? Despite that, despite all that, Rose McGowan has said to this day, Scream was their favorite set to ever be on, the favorite thing she ever did as far as shooting something. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I, I could watch that garage scene several times. And in fact, I have over the, uh, the lifespan of my VHS. <laughs> oh, God, I love Rose McGowan. My wife's favorite show is Charmed. So I do like the ones starting with season four when Rose McGowan's on there instead of uh, Shannon Doherty. It's like, ah, Rose McGowan. Oh, oh, nice. (laughs) So that alone made me happy to rewatch Scream. Uh, I do have to also say that this this is this is going pretty obscure, even for even for us. But I, I, I hadn't I hadn't forgotten about this, but I remembered it. There is something that Scream and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie have in common. Girls with nice tits. Dear God. Girls with nice tits, yes, but that's oh, not on, what I'm going Hold on, let's see if I can think of it. Who's uh, your face? The Pink Ranger? Uh, yeah, yeah, Amy Jo Johnson. Yeah, Amy Jo Johnson. Babe. Amy Jo Johnson. Okay, just off topic. Amy Jo Johnson has a scene in, oh shit, is it Prefontaine or is it the other one? It's one of the Prefontaine movies 
Without where limits is the other one. Where she's doing a hand, it's probably being Prefontaine. Where she's doing a handstand, and Steve Prefontaine is is also doing a handstand, and he's fucking her, and he falls over and busts up his foot before the big race, nat, like whatever. That was we watched that on the bus because it's a track bus, so we watched that, and my coach had his kids with us, and they were like five and seven. That was vastly inappropriate. Um, oh gosh, but, oh, but it was gosh. hysterical. So I go, oh my gosh, the Pink Ranger, and everyone looked at me like, what? She's hot. And so she's doing a handstand, and he's fucking her, and he falls and busts his foot open. Which I just want to throw that out there because okay, comes. yes, but that 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 is not what I was getting at. This is this is All not right. in that direction. Okay, oh, Hero, dude. want to take a guess or I I I am I dude GTS that man. Let's go GTS. <laughs> it is it is the band Republica. That is the <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Because Republica has a song on the soundtrack to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which is Trouble. Yep. And they are not not on the soundtrack to scream, but are featured playing at the party, which is Drop Dead Gorgeous. Trouble so yes, like the band Republica. Up. Here comes you trouble. Have... Every coming con gonna burst my bubble. Oh yeah, there that's all. Ghost yeah. coming gonna burst my bubble. No, but uh, yes. Yeah, so that's there all. you go. If you can't get '90s enough, Republica is also in this movie. So there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, so and I also do have to say, a hero. I'm not sure if it was you or Chris uh, Honeywell who said this on the chat, but Wes Craven makes a awesome cameo. Yes, as hero. Fred the janitor <laughs> with the sweater, with the Freddy sweater on. Yeah. Like, what'd you call me? Oh, not you, Fred. Can we talk about the Fonz in this? Because yeah. he's fucking <laughs> awesome. I almost forgot about the Fonz. He he is awesome. He's a classic like, principal too, and he's a little. And now that he's not the Fonz, they can make him a little short guy. Yeah. The, <laughs> so he's just the, he's that classic little short short man syndrome. Sorry, hero. No, no, he clearly <laughs> cares about the kids, and he's, he's not above laying the smackdown on. Right, him but he's got a private. heart of gold, and his smackdown is that like tough guy, you know, trying to be tough guy sort of. It's great. It, it's a he's he's a great actor. Yeah. And, and his and he, death he went uncredited. Was, yeah, didn't want to take it, anything away from the other from the the younger cast. No, it's oh, he's so good in it. But go on, yeah, he I, I didn't mean to interrupt. His you, uh. And his his you recognize him yeah yeah his death was thrown in because uh there hadn't been a uh, hadn't been a Killing murder a in a while yeah. Uh, yeah and it also solved another problem of what was going to get the rest of the non-essential cast out of the house at the end yeah. yeah so that's why his death when it finds they find out he's dead in the you know on the goalpost at the high school everybody beats feet which leaves just the the remaining people that we need to be there there mm-hmm. genius yeah oh yeah. I mean, it's it's just like uh, the other scene, which I I didn't really put two and two together with it until later viewings, but Gail's cameraman watching the tape on the thirty second delay, he's watching the same movie we're watching. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, so so we're that guy. That's us. It's like turn around, man. Yes, he is. He's he's the stand-in for the audience. Yes, and the guy who like. Gives as soon as he's like, okay, remember, there's a 30 second delay, which there's no reason there should be a 30 second delay from the house to the to the van. It's the 90s. Things like that happen. Well, no, as soon as you hear him say there's a 30 second delay, you're like, oh, this is going to play into things very soon. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, the, one of the uh, we just mentioned Wes Craven's one. Uh, they do, anyone note recognize the uh, the reporter who says people want to know? They have the right to know. You yeah, know it's Linda Blair. Was? It's Linda Blair. Linda Blair. Yeah, yeah, it's another cameo that it's, again uncredited. She's not anywhere on there, but she just kind of gets it thrown in there. Um, and well, actually, which is the guy, great because 
Well, say which is great because that's what Billy's watching when he goes over to see Sydney. He's what exactly. I was watching The Exorcist, but it was on TV, so they cut all the good parts out. Yeah. Well, the other thing yeah. is too that uh, Kenny, the cameraman, he actually was in New Nightmare and he was in uh, Vampire Brooklyn. Those were the Doesn't two he play a cameraman in New Nightmare also? I think so. But the, the, yeah. those those were Craven's two movies right before this one. And I mean, Craven, he looks like a he looks like a camera guy. You he know. does. He does. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> it kind of looks like. Uh, you know, like he, like he would be trying to like you know catch some Z's in the van, maybe chomping yeah. on some chips. I love I love the loving uh, affection he showed towards each one of his snacks. Like yes. he'd be smelling them. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh yeah, some vintage yeah. Cheeto right here. Mm. Uh, no, but that's actress, what everybody does made... with those Cheetos with the with those gnarled little crunchy Cheetos. Everybody takes a little look at them before because yeah. uh, each one <laughs> is an interesting shape. Yeah, they're yeah. visually interesting. Absolutely. Yes. You, the you, guy, uh, the I, actor's uh, name. The actor's name is W. Earl Brown. He was mm. that was that was Kenny. Just throw him out there, give him credit because I know he's probably out there listening. No, <laughs> I was listening. W. Earl, if you are listening, would you like to do an interview with us? Yeah, dude. Yeah. If you that, uh, you could be a please, guest on this show. Yeah, please send an email to Freak Vault, all one word, Freak Vault at Gmail dot com. If we ever get our two true freaks nerd food show going, we can just have them come on and talk about cameraman snacks. <laughs> oh yes, and which are different, this which are Cheetos, Cheetos, Twinkies, <laughs> and stuff like that, as opposed. To cop snacks, which are I'd be seeds a fucking great cameraman. Then are like, oh my, oh my god, how many Dunkin' Donuts things were in that police station in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> that was about the time they actually started to expand. Yeah, well, see, that's the thing. I mean, I, I mean, they're in California, so seeing Dunkin' Donuts was a little odd, like you say. But it was this that they were expanding? I mean, we're, from, I mean, I'm from New York, so I'm used to seeing Dunkin' Donuts. You know, right? And nowadays they make it to be Krispy Kreme out there because that'd be the ones that have all the all the kids like, you know, but uh, believe it or not, I actually had somebody in my office say, you know, you make a Dunkin' Donuts donut, you take biscuit dough, fry it and roll it in sugar. I said, hey, buddy, you know, you make a Krispy Kreme donut. I said, you take pastry dough, fry it and roll it in sugar and then you let it sit so that nobody eats it by the end of the day. <laughs> I can't bad mouth. You ever, you ever notice when there's a box of Dunkin' Donuts in the break room at work, they're all gone. If there's a box of Krispy Kremes, half of them are thrown out at the end of the day because once they're cold, they're disgusting. Chris, but Krispy Kremes are here. good fresh off that. the... Yeah, the, but once, yeah, once they cool down and that that the it congeals, the sugar congeals. You can't give them away. That's but that's anyway. not that is not true. One of the one of the dinner for geeks, Jeff Doak, as I lamented on one of his posts about Krispy Kreme and said I couldn't get them in my area anymore. He mailed me a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. Mm. I put them in the microwave with a little bit of water in a cup for a few seconds. They came right back to life. You can you can yeah. just do individual Krispy Kremes got, got literally microwave. for like three seconds in the microwave. It's just three seconds, and that yeah, will. But you know just... what? The, the Dunkin' Donuts. I can pick it up out of the box. Exactly. And just eat it. So, but anyway, but, this is this is getting this is fairly weird. involved devastation of donuts. But uh, look, yes, who, look I, who's I on the show laugh. though. I did have to laugh at the amount of Dunkin' Donuts because what's funny is is that I had to go um, I had to go down to the police station a couple this is a couple of years ago now, and and I had just had to go and to talk to somebody down there and no kidding giant giant box of Dunkin' Donuts sitting on the table in like the common area I'm like really guys really did, it's did like you take is one? this oh no it's like it, I, I was just walking by and I saw I, I, I thought about it but it's like it's like it's like. Are are you are you the stereotype or are you just trolling everybody who's got to come in here? 
Well, maybe they just like donuts. It's the same. Are they the stereotype that they like the donuts, or are they trolling the people who have to come in and or see them? Or maybe there's a guy who's who's hyperglycemic or hypoglycemic in the office, and he can't eat them, and they're trolling him. <laughs> there could be many levels. Yeah, why can't it be all of yeah. that? Why can't it be all of that? Why can't it all be all that? Like like in Scream, there's there's you know Kevin Williamson wanted his killers to have no motive, and uh, the producer said, no, you really got to kind of give them a motive. You can't. It's a hell of no a motive. motive. So they gave him, yeah. So they gave him no. So they had one with a motive and one with no no motive. I I mean I I do like that. I do like that. You know that Billy says initially that he has no motive, but then you kind of see the mask slip a little bit, and you can see his motive, and he's so angry about it. But then Stu, you know, peer pressure, man. You know, <laughs> Stu does. Stu's just a friggin' psychopath. Yeah, yeah he's Lilliard is an annoying actor for me because he's sort of like that weird third-rate Jim Carrey mixed with a little bit of, um, oh, what's his name from Back to the Future? Yeah. Willard. Michael J. Fox? No, Willard. Oh, oh no, okay. Crispin yeah. Glover. Crispin Glover, yeah. A little, little Crispin Glover, early Crispin Glover thrown in. But he, like, always plays every... I, I mean, I think his perfect role was Shaggy. That was yeah. the one that, like, you know, almost... Because he's almost a character... He almost goes... Everybody's a caricature in this, but he almost goes way over the top with the caricature of it. Did any of you guys, do you remember the play in the movie Death Trap from the yeah. 80s? No, I don't. It's right. a bell, but I don't remember it now. So this note will not mean anything to it. Because the whole twist of of them being the killers is reminds me a lot of the, tw- the big twist in, well, one of the big twists in Death Trap. It, it, Christopher Reeves was actually in the original version i think it was an ira levin play and at the end two of the characters in the you know halfway through the except halfway three quarters of the way through it you find out two of the characters are not who you thought and they were you know it's all been a complete ruse designed by them except in in the play that turns out that they're gay and they're two guys that were you know one of them was married and a murder mystery and so maybe it was seeing Death Trap and then seeing this thinking, are these guys like, you know, are they in some sort of weird like couple thing or something? And then I'm like, nope, they're just two those. There were always those guys and maybe some of us were those guys that got way too into whatever. And then they found their friend who got way too into it. Yep, and that's how, and they feed off each other, and and both really get into it. Except these guys also, you know, were were psychopaths too. So they they fed off each other's psychopathy. But usually, when you get characters like that, they're usually like romantically entangled, like Bonnie and Clyde sort of things, or like in Natural Born Killers and stuff. So it was, I think they he sort of set up for that vibe just to knock it all down with, oh no, they're just crazy billy is just pissed yeah he's just Whereas Stu is stew is crazy yeah. Stu's well why nuts. is Bill, well i mean what's billy's motivation for being pissed because sid's mom was fucking his dad oh that's right that's right yeah i mean that that's and that's the thing like i said I mean, but i don't buy that i buy that as just like that's his excuse you know because i mean there's so many other things you could do than kill everybody you know over that you know chris hang on chris hang on no, no, i'm not just again we're in full spoiler alert here yeah 
Scream 2. You're never going to watch Scream 2, right? No, I'm not planning on it. Okay. I wouldn't Fucking recommend Billy's it. Fucking Billy's mom's the killer in that shit. Oh, Jesus. And it's Lori. And it's Lori. It's Lori It's fucking Leonard's. It's, it's fucking Sheldon's mom from Big Bang Theory. Yeah, motherfucker. Oh, it's screw it's that, Darcy. Yeah, screw that Big Bang Theory noise. It's, it's friggin' Roseanne's sister. Is the killer. <laughs> yes, I know, Luke. I'm just Oh, no, yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying, but shit. Yeah. but uh, no, I mean that that's the thing though. It's like initially Billy says that he has no motive, but then, like I said, he he comes out with it, and and he's he's angry about it, and that's it. So you can you can see it playing out in your head. You know, him maybe venting to Stu about all this. Dude, we should just fucking kill that chick or something. You know, and and but except that Stu means it. I mean, when when Sydney's on the run in Stu's house, she ends up in Stu's room where she barricades the door with a surfboard. And if you look at the background, it's like she basically ran into the killer's room from Deep Red. I mean, there's, like, stuff hanging off the walls and stuff. There's some messed up stuff back there. Stu is, is just nuts. And, and sometimes that's, that's what it is. And, you know, and, and, and you can see him having his whole breakdown. Uh, Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> and then, which was an ad lib. And then when, when uh, um, Billy drops the phone on his oh, head, yeah. did you hit me with the phone, man? That was also an ad lib. Because it was an accident. Ad, he dropped the him and dropped the phone on him. Right, the other ad lib is uh, when he says, you know, I had a thing for you, uh, Sid. And she goes, yeah. in your dreams or whatever she says to him. That was ad lib, too. Yeah. Uh, right on the set, too. Yeah, that was... But, uh, which, is, which, is, which is from Nightmare on Elm Street, right there. Yeah. Well, I'm saying it, but that's what they... Yeah. I'm saying, but he, yeah, he, no, I'm saying it was an ad lib, but they both knew enough to ad lib something from Nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll have to ask you boys this: Has there ever was there ever a flick before where the the main victim not just turned the tables on the killers, but actually put on the killer's outfit to get revenge? Is that called uh, from something else? I, I want to say yes. I'm trying to think. Shit, yeah, off the top of my head, I don't know one though. But, yeah, I can't think of one because yeah, it's I mean, awesome. It's, it's, oh, it is. You know, and, and uh, you know, uh, Jack Doward be proud. She comes out with an umbrella, just like the penguin, you know, and uh, <laughs> unfortunately um, actually missed the, the first shot or the first or second shot um, glances off of the pad that Skeet Ulrich was wearing. And then the second one hit him straight in the chest mm. and he had had surgery in that spot and it hurt like hell. And so Billy's like, ah, reaction is legit. So, don't mess with the don't mess with the with an umbrella now, you know. No, but, I don't uh, think they I, put yeah, points I mean, on I, them anymore. Yeah, I mean, so, so so much of this just works. There's so much of this that works, and even even the little throwaway lines, like um, what is it? What is uh, Stu says something? Oh, what does he say? I forget what he says, and but it, it's something from Clueless. And Randy goes, "Oh, really, Alicia?" You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the straight up. Um, you know, it's like you, you sound like you're in some sort of Wes Carpenter flick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And what's, what's sad is they would try and make a joke like that later in the series and it completely falls flat. But McGowan delivers it with such, you know, she, she, she's so confident in her in her name that she says that you kind of buy it and it's funny. No, I've heard Whereas people do friggin... stuff like that before and, and then you just let them go, you know. It's just like, yeah. all right, I'll let it, okay, whatever. <laughs> but then, but then in, in Scream 3, when, okay, when Jenny McCarthy says, ah, oh, the, the girl goes and takes a shower, it's like vertigo, you know, it's like, oh. Really? That was what you went with? A little too on the nose. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's like Jenny McCarthy can't deliver it the way that Rose McGowan does because Jenny McCarthy's not as good an actress as Rose McGowan. But I, you know, I was just gonna say I've heard that Jenny McCarthy could not deliver it like Rose. Oh. McGowan. <laughs> well, that's that's why that's why you're well, one of them was fucking Jim Carrey and the other is fucking Marilyn Manson. So. <laughs> 
I, <laughs> I'm torn between which one is supposed to be worse than the other one. <laughs> I think you just I take said, it as, as said, it is. Take it as you want to be. I don't, yeah, I'm, not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know how to take it yet. <laughs> I'm I also have to like sleep this, on that uh, one. Yeah, oh. that was the problem. Is one of them had to sleep on that one. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so I do like that this film. This film also. Um, okay. When she, when she comes into the, in, the it's, it's actually in the trailer. When she opens the door to go into the the uh, garage, nips. The headlights are on. Now the problem yep. was rumor was that it was a prosthetic and they put it in. Nope, it was really cold and there was her real nipples sticking yep. out there. And Did actually, I say, have, I, yeah, I, say, have I mentioned that I really like Rose McGowan? Yes. <laughs> um, the other thing is too, her yeah. death is not supposed to be the not supposed to be the doggy door. She was supposed to have a fist fight with the killer, and then eventually they were the killer was uh, she hit them like he would, she would go to run out. And he was going to slam her down and have the door come and, and hit her in the head That's right. on, on the throat, right? Um, yeah. But that uh, the production assistant, one of uh, Helen Williams' impressions, said, "Why don't you just go through the doggy door?" And they yeah. were like, "Great idea!" But and again, she was too skinny. She got to go through the doggy door. Yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I also have to applaud a movie with this many young people in it that actually has an older character say, "These kids today," you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a little little get off my lawn for everybody out there. So. Not on this network. We don't. We don't allow no, that. No, we don't have that. Uh, one of the other things, uh, which is funny, uh, they actually uh, there was two things. This the the, the the party scene there that took uh, it took them. It was it was forty two minutes long or whatever long it is. Part of it took almost twenty one days to shoot, and yep. it was it was called scene one eighteen. So when they finished that, they handed out shirts to everybody. I survived scene one eighteen. <laughs> right for everybody who was in it and then uh they actually handed out bottles of wine that were their scary movie bottles scary of movie. wine at the time this was shot under scary movie and they changed the screen they actually had a lawsuit about that uh screamers came out right uh, a little before that there was actually there was actually uh, a lawsuit settled out of court that they thought was that, a new line wasn't it yeah they were trying to rip them off uh, yeah, and, and suppose yeah, and the, and the story goes that really it was just because New Line and Dimension had a beef about something else. Exactly. Yeah, and and that this that there really was no merit to this, but this was a way to get everybody, all the parties involved at the at the table to settle something. So, yeah, yeah I'm I, that that really is the thing is that. I like the name Scary Movie, but yeah. I can see why that would have not necessarily marketed it the way that they wanted it. Well, it it's, it's the right title for the film, I think, but it, I can see where the Weinsteins were coming from saying that people are going to think it's just a comedy. Yeah, well, that's what happened was uh, the um, to get the, the movie originally, when the MPA got their hands on it, they put an NC-17 on immediately. And Craven kept cutting it and cutting it and resubmitting and resubmitting, and they weren't getting anywhere. So Bob Weinstein said, let me take a whack at it. He took the movie <clears throat> that had been with less cuts made to it to the MPA and said, it's a comedy. It's called Scary Movie. And they said, oh, yeah, keep it. <laughs> not kidding. <laughs> So Wes Craven goes, how'd you do that? He goes, I told him it was a comedy. He goes, but it's not a comedy. He goes, they don't have to know that. <laughs> like, I gotta admit, I, I know people shit on the wine scenes every once in a while. Like, like those dudes were, they always are looking what's what's coming down the pipe, right? Whether it's back when we covered the burning, you know, when they were looking at how can we make money off of this or whatever kind of, they always seem to have things like down the pipe. What, how can we do this? They did all kinds of stuff. And whether you like all their stuff or don't like their stuff or you're mixed or whatever, this certainly was them looking like, well, we could get ahead of this curve. And, that, and it's true because without Scream, there is not that whole like 
Urban Legends, and I Know What You Did Last Summer, and uh, what was it, Valentine, and all those other oh, movies you, that came. Yeah, well, you don't you don't get Final Destination. You yeah. don't get. Yeah. You know, but and and because of that, you don't get movies like Ginger Snaps or Dog Soldiers or any of those early two thousands movies yep. that are a direct reaction to the the nineties, the late mid to late nineties movies. Yep. Yep. You know, you don't get. Uh, you don't get Jason X. You don't get you know uh, you know the 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 resurgence of you don't you don't get you know you don't get Freddy vs Jason. You don't get House of Thousand Corpses. You know you, you don't get Session Nine. You don't get all these movies that exist because of certain things happening at certain times. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's it's all the great it's the great and grand game of dominoes that is cinema, <laughs> especially in a genre like like horror where everything's ripping each other off constantly. But it's, yeah, isn't it's, that kind it's, of it's, thinking... it's kind of a butterfly effect. Right. Well, I'm oh. saying, but isn't it, isn't it kind of like uh with, with Carpenter making Halloween back in '78? Right. It was called. It wasn't called Halloween. It was called the Babysitter Killers. Right, the babysitter killer, whatever it was called, murders. right? Babysitter murders. Murders. Yeah. murders, thank you. Right, which kind of sounds like movie of the week, ABC, you know, on a very special episode of, you know, whatever. But by naming it Halloween and giving us the idea of the, it's based around a, a, a holiday, that led to other movies that were, you know, kind of led to whatever. And by him, instead of making some cheesy whatever, he's like, no, I want to make this movie the way I want to make this. And sticking to his guns, it led to other things. I look at it this way: is if you looked at um, uh, which is oh, Rick Baker turning down. Now, just hear me out. He, he turned down Piranha, but he said, "Why don't you hire Rick Bottin, who at the time was I think 19 or 18 years old, and I forget who the other guy was with him." And they were like, "Sure." Well, what happens is now Rick Bottin had a shot to make the thing. You know, now he had. Now he does. Uh, you know, they're doing the howling instead of because why? Because Baker's doing American Wear for London. Like all these little things all have to line yeah. up. You know, no, that, that's I mean that's you the change thing. one I mean, thing and all of a sudden Carpenter's the thing isn't the same. And the effects aren't the same. I mean, not that the, he wouldn't have directed it, or whatever. But the effects aren't the same thing. They're not as effective. You're not watching it 30 years later, going fuck. That's still better than anything I've seen nowadays. And the same thing well, here. I mean, this well, that, is a that's the thing, especially. Kind of that's the thing, especially with horror, because, you know, Hollywood is, when you get right down to it, it's it's a relatively small group of people that make these decisions. And when you get into genre filmmaking, it's even less, you know? All these connections are there. All these people know each other. They've all worked together on something somewhere. And there so many paths have crossed. You know, play, playing six degrees of separation with horror movies is easy. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, absolutely. With the, these these little things that cause these things, and say, okay, well, because of that, we have this, and because of this, this happens, and this doesn't happen. You know, it's uh, it, it's it, it it really is like the butterfly effect. But I'm I'm thinking more like Jurassic Park than you know the movie with Ashton Kutcher. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, so it's it, like I said, it, it it what it not it, but it that's the thing about Scream though is it's not just what it inspired and developed, but the film itself just holds up so well. And uh, I think it's funny that the the name Scream was was uh, apparently came from the painting the Scream, you know, which all of us you know are familiar with, and uh, you know not just probably from its use in popular culture, but I think it's funny that there's actually a line that you can take to reference it. You know, before they pull Sydney's dad out of the closet, what does Stu say? Oh, you're going to love this, Sydney. It's a scream, you know? <laughs> and it's a throwaway line that you don't even think of, but it's like, oh, okay, I can see what they're doing here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, one, one of the things I just want to throw out there, there's a couple other names. I knew I'd find them. I had to look for them. Uh, 
uh, Brittany Murphy, Melissa Joan Hart, and Reese Witherspoon uh, actually all had an audition for Sidney Prescott. Reese Witherspoon was offered the role, but turned it down. And uh, also, oh, the one from, what's her name? Uh, the one from Urban Legends. Uh, the the redhead Maxima girl. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Robert, 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 Maxima girl. Rebecca Gayhart. She actually yeah. also was also they wanted her, but she was filming something else. And she couldn't take the role. So again, Nev Campbell is on Party of Five. Wes Craven sees Party of Five. Goes, I like that girl. She's got something I want her. They bring her in. She becomes the person after they after you know. I mean, again, I'm not trying to knock anybody else, but let's be honest here. Reese Witherspoon, yeah, totally not working in this role here, you know, uh, as as she, as Sydney, uh, and neither would Rebecca Gayhart. She wouldn't have worked there either. It works well. well and because... what's funny is that is that uh, Tori Spelling was was banded around for she a while, was, which is yes. why there's which is why there's the lines like, oh, I probably get Tori Spelling. When they... <laughs> yeah, right, and, and it's just kind of funny that those people. I mean, uh, all, like Alicia uh, Alicia Witt, Melanie uh, Linsky, and Linda Clark were all other ones who had auditioned for Sydney. The, the, this movie. Kevin Williamson, uh, you know, whether you like Dawson Creek or not, really was in Sorry. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I hated that show, right? But my wife watched it. Uh, you know, a lot of people. Watched, I didn't. I mean, I didn't really. I didn't like Party of Five. I didn't like any of those things. But that's the stuff that was people were watching. That was what was there. So as soon as Kevin Williamson is attached to this, people are like, oh man, this guy. He and they he, they called in every single person they could think about at at that right age to find the right mix. You know, I mean, it could have been easy. You could have just been like, all right, yeah, this guy, this guy, that girl, whatever. Let's do this. Right. But they didn't. They kind of kept like kind of refining and looking. And sometimes things work out. People have, you know, can't take the gig and it works out that the right person gets it. And, um, you know, it's just different kind of uh, 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 what things could have been. I mean, Christ, uh, Arquette and Lillard both went up for the role of Billy before they got the roles of Dewey and Stu, you know. Yeah. Put switch out those roles. Right. If Skeet Ulrich, uh, who, by the way, folks, uh, in the poster art has a mustache and a goatee, yet in the movie it's clean shaven. Um, if if he if he doesn't look if he not, if he comes in if he didn't look he again Skeet Ulrich was looking like Johnny Depp and Wes Craven said he looks like Johnny Depp. All right, Johnny Depp was in front. Uh, let's get him right. And <laughs> put him in the movie. So. Why not? <laughs> Hey, well, you I mean, Matt, have well, I mean Matthew, but Matthew Matthew Lilliard was, you know, he got the bar to stew by accident yeah. because he was he was at a he was at an audition house with his girlfriend at the time auditioning for who was auditioning for a different role in a different movie. Yeah, and I don't remember if it was the casting director or one of the Weinstein saw him and said, "Hey, do you want to come read for our movie?" And so he <laughs> so he came in and read for their movie and ended up with the role of stew just because he happened to be you know kind of standing in the hallway you know waiting on his girlfriend so. Let that be a lesson. If your girlfriend's going to go audition for something, tag along. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> it looks like you might be interested. I have a face for radio. So Yeah, well, you know, that's that 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 is the curse of the podcaster. We sit here underneath these fluorescent lights for hours at a time, late at night, shoveling red hot funyuns and guzzling warm diet mountain dew with the mic the microphone on mute. This is a peek behind the curtain for everybody out there in Radio Land. Thus is our curse. It's like the low charisma score for the mid-maxer in D&D, and the fact that I know that proves how much of a loser that I am. <laughs> so you want, I got a couple more uh, funny things here. Um, the, the cheerleader in, the, in the, the bathroom scene who's washing up when Sydney comes in, that's Skeet Ulrich's girlfriend. She happened to be there. They put her in there. Yeah. Right? <laughs> 
um, the bathroom itself. I do. I, I do want to just just interrupt real quick. I do. I always love that horrible, horrible cliche. It's a terrible trope because it's not true. But in here, but here for some reason it works. Of the cheerleaders always wearing their uniform. Yes, <laughs> because yes. she's not. Because she's not. Ta- it's not another cheerleader. She's talking to her girlfriend, who happens to be just a random student. So that's why it works. If it's two cheerleaders wearing their yeah. uniform, that scene doesn't work. The head cheerleader and her friend makes that scene work for me. Yes. <laughs> Just wanted to interject that. Well, it's funny that that same bathroom uh, uh, is also used as uh, the set for Stab Three in Scream Three when they're shooting Stab Three. It's the same bathroom again. They use it again, and the scene that's cut from the movie is when she comes out of the bathroom. She runs into the principal's office and she tells him she was attacked, and that's why he cancels everything. Because in the movie, he just cancels everything. And you're like, right, everyone but, go I mean, home or cancels. What? It's, it's not too much of a leap to understand no, no. because it cuts. Yes. Because it cuts I, from I, that, you know. So. Right, what I'm saying is, but they, she go, but they cut the scene out because they felt that everyone would just kind of get it. But I guarantee you, there's someone going, huh, I wonder why they canceled everything. Like, <laughs> what do you think she didn't go tell someone? No, I was almost killed in the bathroom, but I'm not going to mention that to anybody. <laughs> I'm going to keep that shit under my hat, you know. <laughs> That yet another another instance of Ghostface absolutely eating it in this movie is in that oh my bathroom. God, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, oh, what the fuck, man? Oh. <laughs> yes, that definitely probably was was uh, was Stu. Stu, yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> he just totally bites it. Well, I also like what do you call the scene where they're sitting outside um, when he goes, uh, he goes when they're like did Stu and Billy are that exchange. He's like, uh, well, what did you kill her? I don't know. Did you get like that? Like back and forth, like, yeah. like yeah. the gay sexual tension between them. The, like oh, at totally. any moment, they they could have just like ripped each other's clothes off and butt fucked each other, and it would have been like okay. Like there's just definitely a, NC seventeen. Yes, well that's oh, yeah. how, that, that's well, what it get cut. Especially um, in the nineties, yeah. Right. That, yeah. You know, but, Nowadays, yeah. you know, it's just it was a Miramax well, that, joint though, so yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's but that's the thing though. It's like it, it, it's like you were saying before, uh, Honeywell. That the I don't mean to keep calling you Honeywell, but we got two Chris's. Yeah, you know? I, so, I, uh, I get it, man. Get it. Hey, my brother and I were both called <laughs> by our last names exclusively all through high school. Oh, me you know? too. Me too. Pretty so, much. Or variations but, uh, on it. Yeah. Anybody the, whose uh, last no. name ends in I gets called yeah. by their last name. It just <laughs> sounds right. Yeah. But, you know, you were talking before about usually, uh, you know, uh, partners in killing like that tend to have that romantic tension. I mean, you could have a reading of that of maybe that these guys were and that that was part of the part of what brought them together. Yeah, I mean, it's an they were intimate both in the bond, closet, you know. I don't know that that's necessarily right. It's it's not it's not necessarily there. It's certainly not spelled out. But it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if that was you know ultimately what was uh, that's not what's revealed ultimately of these characters. What we learn later in the franchise. But you know it's 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 to say it's it's everything boils down to it. In I mean that's the thing. One of the code words I always used to look for back in the days of reading Cine Fantastique magazine is when they'd be interviewing the director of a sequel or a remake, and he would say. My movie's not about uh, you know uh, you know violent special effects set pieces. It's about people and the choices they make. That was code word for your movie sucks every <laughs> single time. But in but there's a kernel of truth in that statement. Ultimately, horror films are about the relationships that people have and the choices that they make, uh, the good ones anyway. Now there are ones that 
either purposely or not on purpose, abandon that idea. You know, a good example of that might be, you know, Twitch of the Death Nerve, which doesn't care about the relationships and only cares about the killings. A bad example might be any number of direct-to-video slasher films made in the 80s and in the early 90s. So here it really is about just the relationships and the choices that people make. We don't know what happened behind closed doors with Stu and Billy, what their conversations were, what led them to attacking and killing, uh, you know, Sydney's mom. And that obviously just kind of pushed the envelope enough. Once you have that releaser cue, now all sorts of things are possible. You know, now it's like, wow, we did that and we got away with it and we got away with it easy. You know, it, so it really does come back to the idea of what's our motivation, which is funny to say, what's our motive in a movie that is filled with, you know, uh, references to being a, a film itself. You know, Billy even says it's all one great big movie, Sid. Mm -hmm. You know, you do get to pick your genre. So, uh, you know, do you want to make a horror movie or do you want to make a comedy? Those are the choices that we make. And so it's funny to talk about motivation. That's the, you know, kind of the, the cliche for the character actor. What's my motivation in this scene? You know, so it's uh, even that comes down to being, uh, you know, cl more clever than I think it gets credit for because of a lot of the things that came after it that didn't use that concept in a very clever way. Yeah, that's the problem. It really was all downhill. Well, hey, I got a couple more funny things I just want to throw out there. OK, uh, so, you know, when uh, when Sid, when uh, Casey hits the uh, when, when the, the killer puts his head through the window and Casey hits him with the phone right in the face. Right. That's Wes Craven. Yep. Wearing West the Craven. mask. Yep. yep. <laughs> he got it in the face of the phone for real. And they kept it in. Um, the uh, the after this movie's released, the uh, the the number of uh, caller IDs increased more than threefold. <laughs> <laughs> this movie, I swear to God, like this AT&T could have been like, thank you. You have now jacked up. We can charge people for caller ID. And that's actually the joke in the beginning of Scream 2. Yeah. When the guy gets, he's like, uh, Sydney Prescott. He goes, is this 55534? Five, five, like, fuck, dude. Like, you know, he goes, oh, how do I know? He goes, and she says his name. And it's like, yeah, like, this is one of those things. Like, cell phones would ruin things. Yeah. Oh, you know. Well, that, I mean, that, but that, but that, I mean, that, that was the thing in, in 96. And they even say that. Well, what are you doing with a cellular telephone? Yeah. Can you imagine asking a kid in high school that now? Right, yeah. right. What are you doing with that like, thing? It's like, what are you, well, what are you doing with like, iPhone? What are you doing with that oh old cellular telephone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that piece of well, crap. Why don't you have that? Why don't you have the uh, the six S? I just got that today. That's crazy. <laughs> it's kind. Of, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like share there. Like, oh my god! Like, actually, that's more of a Valley Girl. Sorry, she's. Like, Should I leave that's a not, note? That's not really share. Yeah. Should I leave a note? Like, turn with the turn with the the wheel, not your not the whole car, yeah. baby. Drive with your drive with your eyes, not with your head. <laughs> well, we're getting on the freeway. Sorry. Oh. That's that's always a good sign of a good horror movie that it sells some sort of product. Like I, I I'm sure like <laughs> The Exorcist sold so many crucifixes. Yeah. Like, people went back to church, dude. Oh yeah, my aunt my aunt bought crucifixes. Who my aunt who is an atheist. She was even an atheist after she did wasn't like didn't get religion from watching The Exorcist, but it still scared the hell out of her enough that she put crucifixes around all her kids' right. necks. Yeah, just in case. Just in right. case. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she she made them wear them to bed for like a month after The Exorcist. It scared her so much. One other thing I want to throw out there: uh, during production, originally the ghost face, uh, the robe was white. They were going to use a white robe to make it look like a ghost. Uh, but then someone pointed out um, they might think it's a KKK robe, so we probably want to change that <laughs> oh, out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but the, there's it, no black people in the movie, though. So. 
It's not very good to be stealth. Yeah, well, no wonder. It's not very easy to be stealth with a white robe either, you well, know, to sneak up on to someone. Be, but to be fair, the, the script gives absolutely no description of Ghostface. He's yes. just he just says a, a masked killer. Yes. So Williamson specifically left it up to the director and the art director and all that to decide what this guy looked like. And the designs went through a lot of different kind of iterations before Carpenter found he was in a house and he saw the the mask. Somebody just had it, and he took a picture of it and said, "Okay, we've got to make something like this." And uh, and one of the I think it was uh, it was either I think it was Bob Weinstein thought the mask looked incredibly stupid yeah, yeah, and Craven, said, "We're not yeah, keeping Craven this." Was really adamant this was what he wanted. And Bob Weinstein, this looks dumb. And then they did some tests with it, and he saw it. He goes, "Okay, I guess you're right." Yeah. You no. Know? Well, but what's the thing? It's it's they did they did like a, a test some test reel some um, test uh, audience with like a sizzle reel, yeah, and everybody yeah, yeah. responded to it. And he yeah. not, and he said, "Well, I guess you're right." And he was happy to keep it because he's like the audience reacted to it that's all i need well but think about something it's just like what carpenter did um with halloween the the the, the mask or the shape was a shatner mask that they just you know prayed white and fucked up you know kind of thing and how iconic is that mask now right but it it could have been any mask they could have put anything on it i mean what if yeah. what if what if carpenter had said hockey mask let's go hockey mask before you know friday the 13th before yeah. friday the 13th right. part three you know kind of thing like it could have been anything well the thing like, about yeah. the shatner mask though is is it could have been any mask but when if you really put thought into it there were no masks like that with no like facial details on them of william shatner you know, <laughs> just like a guy you know just sort of a guy <laughs> mask with no details on it which made it i just think infinitely creepier than say if it was a fully detailed monster mask it right, becomes right, this right. blank slate id thing yeah. oh no, right so that's what i'm saying is but like like what if he had picked like i'm saying but, but, but you know carpenter you know did his thing and i'm saying well what if he had just happened to pick you know whatever mask like what if, what if he had made the clown mask the entire movie that that he kills his sister with in the beginning what if he wears that the whole time or you know like I mean, he could have done any number of different things there to make it, you know, to make it not the same. They what could have easily this? done a clown mask and scream. I could totally see that. Yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is like, but but the thing was, but making it that mask, it was, it's, it, that mask became so, I mean, good Lord, I have one and I have a, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so not the scream killer because when <laughs> I put on, at, at the time, I was 300 pounds when I was putting it on. I had the scream mask on and the full length, like black robe, right? And Luke goes, uh, you know you're built more like Jason Voorhees and not straight, not Ghostface. Right? Oh, shut up! It's what I got, right? Hey, if, um, if if you guys ever want to get a group together and rob a bank, I've got like I'm I'm just looking over to my over my left shoulder. I've got a Scream mask, a Yoda mask, Jimmy Carter, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> There's something ironic about Jimmy Carter decreasing the value of cash in a bank. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, don't they use a Jimmy Carter mask in uh, Point for in uh, Point Blank? Or point I know they have a Reagan yeah. one in there. They probably yeah. do have a Nixon. Jimmy Carter. Reagan, Nixon, Nixon yeah. Carter. Yeah. But you know what? You just gave it all away. Now everyone knows who's under the mask. You know what mask I want to wear if I ever rob a bank? I want to wear a mask of Swiper from Dora the Explorer. <laughs> I want to really mess it up and make a true life face mask replica of myself. That looks exactly <laughs> like me. Then you pull it off. It's like a it's like a Mission Impossible. <laughs> uh, no, when they when they finally catch me, I'll be like, "Are you kidding me? That's the worst like attempt to frame somebody ever. That's the most fake mask of me ever. That's just a mask of me. Genius. Oh, God. Someone's I've trying gotta... to set me up. 
Mm. You set me up. That that's one of my goals in life to be dragged off and scream. You set me up. You set me up. <laughs> well, that was the wasn't that the mayor of uh, Washington D.C. He got caught doing uh, like coke with those hookers. Bitch, <laughs> set me up. <laughs> back, it was back Barry in, and Barry, wasn't it? Whatever his name was. Back in my Bitch. drug dealing days, when I was getting arrested and walked out of the house in handcuffs. I that I had to fight back the temptation to do a Monty Python in a even in that dark moment I wanted to go it's a fair cop it's a f-. but I didn't do it <laughs> I should have done it should've, I should have no, just said you know, I did it hindsight's twenty twenty but looking back still a little bit I know I should have just said <laughs> I did it sure destruction nice stories <laughs> digest we got nineties going on here so that's okay. yes it's so nineties right now. Well, you want to hear it. 90s. You know what my 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 conversation with the cops in the cop car was? They turned on the radio and uh, Steve Ray Vaughn's playing. And it was two days after Steve Ray. They're like, pretty sad about Steve Ray Vaughn, huh, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, everybody's going to miss Steve Ray Vaughn. <laughs> huh. That was okay. what getting arrested in the 90s was like. There you okay. go. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. You guys want more trivia? I don't know. No. I got I got some more. Uh okay. So uh what do you call it? In Scream, they're watching what? Halloween, right? Halloween. Yep. In Halloween H two O, twenty years later, they're watching Scream Two. Yes. Yeah. There you go. How, how meta is that? Uh well, that's meta. just the thing. I mean, a little H2O, too meta. Well eight but H two O was the attempt to be meta to make Halloween meta because they did you know, like I said, Halloween Six came out right around the same time as Scream, and was a disaster of a movie, and and the series was essentially dead. The Akkads got the idea, oh, well, let's make it like this Scream movie, and they brought back, you know, Janet Lee is in that movie, and you know, it's uh, LL Cool J is in that movie, and Jan- and uh, you know, uh, it was so, um, so, so, so Jamie Lee Curtis is back in that for movie, Cool J. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, so it it really was trying to be that meta one, and then. Then, unfortunately, of course, we get uh, that's the thing. That's the, like we were saying before, Hero, is that Scream has a lot of innovation laid at its feet, but there's a lot of movies that probably shouldn't have been made because of Scream that ended up getting made. Yeah. And Halloween Resurrection has to go into that because you want to talk about something that started out as a great idea for a movie, but was mm-hmm. simply not executed in any way. Halloween mm-hmm. Resurrection is it. I mean, I remember when the original, the original, uh, the treatment for that was on this is when the. This is back in hallowed antiquity. We call this 2002, okay? And, uh, Halcyon days. Yes. And back salad in, days. It's a long ago before the last great ice age, there were in the north there rose a powerful queen. Her name was Juliana, and she bore a son and named him Necron and reared him in the black arts. But that's a different movie altogether. Anyway, Fire when Halloween... Fire and ice. Fire and ice, yes. So when Halloween 8 was first coming out, the idea at the time, you know, this is before YouTube. This is or this is right when YouTube was first hitting. And it was like, oh, we're going to watch a thing where they're going to be streaming it live. Yeah. And you're going to be able to see that you know, it's a reality show where they're in the Myers house. And it's like, but the, the killer is going to really be there. It's like, that's brilliant. That's hip. That's with it. That's now. And then we get Halloween Resurrections, so it's not bad at all. But, you know, so for good, that's the thing. Scream was so influential for good and ill that it, it, it's, it's rare that I think that a movie that, that's this influential will holds up. You know, we've had arguments on this, on this very show, on this very podcast about Last House on the Left. One of the most influential and infamous films of all time. And I don't think it holds up. 
but I can watch it and understand how important it is and what it accomplished. Whereas to me, Scream holds up a lot better in its context. Part of that probably is because I was there with the context. So, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things with any type of influential movie. It, it, it'll create a lot of good stuff and it'll create a lot of crap. And you just hope that the good stuff outnumbers the crap and you hope that the film itself doesn't descend into that crap uh, at once you put 10, 20, 30, 40 years behind it. You yeah, know? it could have been. I, I think if it wasn't, well, yeah, if it wasn't Wes Craven, it probably would have been a lot more dated with, with those I other agree. directors. It would have been sure. different movies. The only director that I might not have really had confidence in it being good was just would, would be Romero, but just because I just don't see it being a good fit with Romero. I see him maybe taking it in a different direction that didn't quite work or something. But Romero I might have. I, I mean, I'm honestly thinking of Romero and Scream. You're right because I, I think Romero would have made this a little. I don't want to say a little too meta because that's not what I'm going for, but the commentary would have definitely been yeah. ramped up. I think. Yeah, yeah. It been, it Romero likes to say something on. in his films, yeah. you know. Exactly. So, Whereas, uh, yeah, honestly, I mean, honestly, of the ones that that were connected to it, I would love to see Danny Boyle's take on this. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a riot. I'm sure. <laughs> not the same kind of movie. I think it would have been a dark. It would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> it oh, yeah. Been yeah, it would have been. But, but it would have been fun at the same time with Danny Boyle, you know? So, uh, do you guys want the last two I got here? I got two more, and then I'm, I'm good. I have Let's all the... Up. Here we go. Um, Kevin Williamson, he had someone he in, in mind to play Sydney, Molly Ringwald. Oh, and my he, God. And he asked her to play it, and she, she was offered the role, and uh, he was like, no, no one else is, so I want you to play it. And she said she couldn't because she didn't think at 27 she should be playing a high school role anymore. Yeah, she was way uh, too old by then. Yeah, yeah, dude, she looked way too old in 16 candles, right? And she wasn't that old yet. Um, That's like, what's her name from, um, oh, what is it? Um, oh, damn it. What What's, uh, um, um, oh, I'm blanking on it. It's the, the poster for it. Has the skeleton wearing like the professor's cap, and it's student it's bodies. um no not student bodies. It's Carolyn Monroe is playing a teenager in crap. What is it? It's um oh horror high horror high. That's it. I kept thinking uh I kept thinking return to horror high. It's like that's not it, but it's like no slaughter high slaughter high. Oh sorry slaughter high. Yeah, where Carolyn Monroe played a teen plays a high school student. It's like this. It's like this is like ten years after the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, guys. This is not <laughs> right. <laughs> this is not appropriate casting for Carolyn yeah. Monroe. <laughs> uh, and the last one, I just want to throw this out there. It was one of the ones they didn't mention about the ad lib line. Uh, Matthew Lillard says, "My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me." Yeah. <laughs> it, it cracked Wes Craven up so much. He goes, "You got to keep. You got to keep that." They go, "Yeah, yeah. but it's not that those, it doesn't matter." It he pops so bad. He's like, "I'm. I'm glad we got to keep that in." So that's all the, that's all the crazy tidbits and trivia I got. Um, yeah, dude, I tell you, you know what's really funny? That's insane. Just way past what she should have been playing a high school kid. Uh, yeah. I mean, as it is, she plays a model in Maniac, and she's clearly not in high school in that movie. And that's yeah, well. 10 years before that. That's 12 years, 14 years before this. This movie's made. Kind of thing, you know? Kind of like, kind of thinking like when those movies were made, that was made 80, whatever, you know? So, anyway. Um, one of the one, one of the last thing I want to point out is um, uh, we the dad being the the clear red herring in the entire thing. Um, like, well, I, where's your dad? Like, I when, I when we first saw this run a bus, there were people like, I bet it's the dad. I bet it's him. I was like, 
Lucas, you don't see you don't see this? Like, I mean, like I feel I feel like remember remember Yeah, you're the guy at the party while they're watching the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, pausing like, it to yell at him. <laughs> yeah. Well I'm saying, but do you remember the pup named Scooby Doo? That yep. TV yes. series? There was the guy named Red Herring. Red Herring. Right? That was his name. And he goes, I think it was Red Herring. Fred always Yeah, and Fred, Red yeah, Freddie Freddy accused Red Herring every episode. Yeah. yeah. The dad's name could have been Red Herring. Like, it's so. Like, everyone's like, I think it's the dad. Like, it's fucking never the dad. If it was the dad, this movie's like, it's like, seriously, it's like a six minute movie. Like, it's, okay, it's the dad. Great. You know? Like, well, whoa. you know what? You know what's funny? I do have to mention this by contractual obligation because you mentioned Red Herring <laughs> and a pup named Scooby Doo. There, there. Everyone may or may not remember. There was the one time where uh, they, the rest of the gang made Freddy agree that he would not accuse Red Herring of any crimes, and then it turned out the bad guy to be Red Herring. So. Now that's meta. <laughs> that's meta right there. It's like you can't accuse Red Herring, but it's Red Herring. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's. I tell you, it, it, Luke made a good point. I mean, we've all kind of been hitting on this that. Um, Scream is one of those movies that, uh, you know, when you saw it, it was definitely different. It was it was something that you hadn't seen before, and you're never sure if those things are going to hold up. Uh, I mean, I I I'd be honest with you, there are movies you look back on, you're like, man, that movie was so good. Remember that movie you saw it what one time? It was so good. You watch and you're like, was I high? Like <laughs> yeah. like like Crawl comes to mind. Uh, like when you're a little kid, Crawl's pretty badass, and you're like, what, what was that? You know, kind of thing. And if you like Crawl, sorry folks, but it that doesn't hold up. Um, I like Crawl. Yeah, you can like it, dude. I'm not saying you can't like it. See, this is the difference. We can all get along and not have to like the same things. But let's be honest, Crawl was way cooler when you were a kid. Yes. And now you're kind of like, well, it's not really the same. Well, you know, you know, it's even like even something like Clash of the Titans. You know, it's like that movie blew your mind, and you're like, wow, this is really kind of long, isn't it? Yeah, but this is <laughs> it's kind of meanders a little. <laughs> well, at least at least you know that, that you know that. When you pay for Harry Hamlin, you show Harry Hamlin. I was going to say the same thing about Burgess Meredith. Yeah, there you go. It's like, you know that segment where Perseus just kind of... That that bit where Perseus just kind of walks around for 20 minutes? We have to tighten that up a little bit in post, okay? If we could do that, that'd be great. No. Can someone please tell Harry to put on some underwear? He's all free ball. Well, that that movie's from a different time, and it was a throwback... When it came to an out. even different time, <laughs> yes, it is, it is it is classic. And well, again, it was the end of Harryhausen's run and Schneer. That was the last movie they made together. Um, the first movie they made together was It Came from Beneath the Sea, which you could see on episode three of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, or listen to on episode three of Bots, Bugs, and Babes, uh, the B movie podcast. Uh, and then the last available movie they... at twotruefreaks.com. Yes, and if you want to purchase any of these items, go to the Amazon link. Click on that and help keep the lights on. There you go. And actually, I do want to. I do want to. I do want to plug that real quick. If you go to, uh, not only go to, of course, get the Amazon.com link at TutureFreaks.com. If you go to the page for the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, I have put a link there to an Amazon list listing all of the films that are available that we have talked about on this show. So if you talk about something on this show, you want to jump to a list and see all of it. Go to the, the site for the page for the vault on twotruefreaks.com and you can take it directly to that so you can see all of it in one place. But make sure you, you add them to your cart, but then go back to Two True Freaks and go through the link so we get the money for that. <laughs> yes. 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 It's, it's first you get the first you get the first you get the sugar, then you get the power, then you get the women. Yes. Well, that's why I love the Amazon link, is because people don't even have to give us money. 
Yeah. They just have to go spend their money there. They're gonna go. They're gonna go buy that stuff. Yeah, you're gonna buy shit anyway. Yeah, trust you're, me. You're, especially now that you gotta do. We want your shit money. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd be really thrilled and flattered if somebody actually got an Amazon account and was like, "I better go buy something for the two true freaks." But I'm much more suspicious that people just buy a lot of stuff through Amazon and go, oh, "I'll just." Uh, I'll bet you there's people who bop around uh, all, a bunch of different people's Amazon links just to be nice guys. And they are nice guys, but they really should be just using the two true freaks one. And as Bartles and James always said, thank you for your support. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't be an athlete, be an athletic support. That's right. But so anybody can be a podcaster. Someday I'm going to come up with a theory about there's two kinds of people. Are you a Bartles or are you a James? But that's for another show. Indeed. Now, now I'm just thinking of son-in-law with Polly Shore. It's the Bartles and James guy. <laughs> God, I Which love that movie. Which makes you think of the Casino Man. No reason the Jews. The cheese is old and moldy. Yeah. <laughs> I had a roommate. She went to see um, Son-in-Law probably four times within a week period. Have you seen wow. Caligugino in it? I'd see it four times a week. <laughs> oh God. So, okay, so, Scream. Go in the army now, that's all I gotta say about that. Yes. <laughs> and Biodome! Anyway, so... Photosynthesis! We are we all dumber for having thrills. All yeah. I can say is in the future you're gonna definitely be seeing some more Wes Craven come yes. your way. Yeah, there's gonna be, uh, that, uh, do we, do we want to give any hints about what's coming next on the vault? I think Why I not? just did. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, that's fair enough. I'm trying to remember what we actually next. have planned. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fair cop. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.